everybody. We are back in Black History Month. <laughs> That's in flames, but we are back. <laughs> no, but we're back. This is Megasheen. I'm Victor. And I'm Nick. And yes, um, I don't know what y'all was drinking, <laughs> what kind of gods or goddesses that y'all was praying to, but Black History Month is canceled. And is y'all, a, I'm a, I, well, let's do a redo. Okay. Let's hit that reset button. Because yeah. you think about it, it's only, it was at, well, I thought about it, it was Friday. It was like, what, seven days? <laughs> it was like, this is seven days. That's when Samara came out of the TV. But it was just seven days. It was seven whole nights. <laughs> <laughs> Too many words, y'all. Because, good Lord, everything is just blackface and people just coming out of the ass. Liam Neeson. And I kind of liked him. Even though he's been I didn't kill a nigger, so I'm good. I know. Even though he's been doing the same movie for the past, 30, you know, 10 years. But this last movie was basically the same. It was just in the damn cold. Right. <laughs> gonna, pro- gonna fuck around and do taking the musical and it's gonna be on a, a off Broadway. I know. And see you were and he was in a good place, you know, had my mama mad at him but still attracted to him from widows, you know what I mean? Because you know, mm-hmm. widows and I was, you know, like look at you kissing on Viola. But now you don't sit up here and said this. And you know what? I mean, I think it was what, thirty years ago when he said it. Or no, it's thirty years ago when that incident happened. I don't know why he told that story. I think you learned a lesson today. But yeah, no, he didn't. <laughs> well, Black History Month um, is a little crazy right now, and a little crazy from on our end too. We've been having a bunch of y'all, especially a bunch of these straight ass men, just saying whatever they want to say. This Doctor Boyce guy and. Tyreek always saying something stupid. And then there's always something going on to where y'all just can't, can't, straight black men just can't get it together. I didn't realize how bad this was until just, maybe I haven't been paying attention because I'm just not straight, but it's just I haven't been <laughs> thinking about them until lately. They've just been just messing up. Just, oh, Lord. Anyway, how, how are you doing? What's going on with you? Oh, shit. I'm doing good. Um, Let's see. I watched uh, this movie called Geostorm. And, okay, so it was a mess. Granted. But the only thing that I enjoyed was uh, Zazie Beats and the woman uh, secret agent. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Uh, other than that, um, I'm like, why... I understood the message, I'm like, oh, we have to keep the earth uh, safe, yada, yada, yada. This is all we got. But, okay, it felt like it was man trying to control weather. And I'm like, okay, you are trying to control Mother Nature. And in the end, she is always going to win. And I, I just felt like it was so far-fetched. Because these countries come together, will won't happen. Won't happen. We'll die before that happens. Uh, it was. I'm glad I didn't spend money to see it. Yeah, very glad. But the president was attractive. 
<laughs> other than that, um, Gerard Butler uh, doing his very most with the very least. But he's he's an attractive kind of dude. And I was thinking, I was like, well, well, maybe he could be Wolverine. But then again, I was like, mm, we'll talk about this later. Um, then I was like, mm, maybe not. Because <laughs> do I really want a Wolverine like now? Yeah, well, we can get in. We, we'll, we'll jump into that. That might be the first one we jump into. But yeah, because it's funny to think about. Yeah, we'll just wait. That's a lot. Yeah, let's let's wait. What? How, other than that, I haven't been doing a goddamn thing for real. Um, trying to get back into the gym, you know, getting my groove back. Um, oh, you never lost it, but okay. Anyway, go ahead. I mean, <laughs> because I'm still mad that around in a a year almost ago, somebody was just talking about how they were just worried about how they they you know being in shape everything they had the audacity to take pictures at um at the at the con showing all the snatched up body and i'm like you know what i'm glad that i wasn't able to be there because i would have been sitting here like why am i taking pictures with somebody already snatched up and i'm looking like petunia pig all right (laughs) don't you do that don't you do that you was over there bench pressing a whole building Like, don't don't do all that. <laughs> I shouldn't even post that because people in DM. Nah, okay. So you have to get into it. I was like, you know what? It, that doesn't. I made a joke. Cause I said so butch, and it was like, that's right. I bet you are. I was like, you know what? That that was a joke. <laughs> I'm not butch at all. I'm just myself. Um, I just like to do that. I mean, it's fun to do stuff like that because you know it's kind of cute to do it, especially when you. Got you know hot guys at CrossFit. You know you have to put them in place. You have to be like, let me let me show you what this queen can do. You know, and you know let them see and bow down and some can anyway. But um, yeah, and speaking of that, I was kind of upset because I'm realizing that there's a certain time where all the cute ones really come. And Power Booty came yesterday. We're not gonna talk about Power Booty. I call him Power Booty because he's really cute. <laughs> really cute. He's Latino and. I'm telling you, those legs and butt is just, I feel dirty talking to him because I'm like, I'm not really, I'm talking to you, but I'm also looking. So, mm. yes, but that's mm. what's mm. But anyway, again, you, okay, this is, okay. Anyway, <laughs> go back to where you were. Come on, take Oh, I'm. I'm good. Other than that, I'm. Why did somebody try to? Uh, they was like uh, at the gym. They're like, "Oh, uh, can you spot me?" And I was like, um, "My little bitty ass." And then he had one of those little easy uh, crowbars, and it was like a hundred ninety some pounds. I was like, "Um, okay, I guess." But I think he was trying to check me out. Because mm-hmm. right. you don't ask him to spot unless. I believe because not everybody needs a spot because everybody knows their, their limits to a degree. But if they're gonna ask somebody almost random, that means they're trying to. And he was like, "I saw him in the the locker room, and he had a future behind him." Let me tell you. I was like, "Oh, okay." It's not sounding like trash at the gym, <laughs> right? 
But well, that's, that's enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> what well, about you? I, I'm doing good. Um, my friend Nick was here last weekend, so we had a very good time. Um, and, you know, it rained a lot. It's been raining a lot in this raggedy town, but that's fine. And, and I did a, a bench, yeah, I did bench press that and put that on there. And today I squatted, um, 365, I think today. All right. I was going to film that, but I was like, that's enough. Cause I'm, I don't want to get to almost filmed it though. But I was like, that's enough. But it was a lot. I was like, and you know, the guys were like, you just did, but I did like two, you could only just do one. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, well, you, okay. So you're actually tougher than you, than you think you are. And I was like, I know what I am. I just like to show you when I feel like it. Um, right. But no, it's been good. Um, you know, job is good. Um, the book is good. Strange Lore is doing good on Amazon. I'm like a little surprised by that, but um, like it's it's it goes it goes up and down. I guess that's how it goes on Kindle. But it's like it's up and down. It's doing this. Apparently, I won't see none of that money until March because <laughs> the money. Because I want to know what am I making? Because if I was like number, I think I posted it was like number one for queer books or something i was like okay well i want to know what i'm making if we're hitting these numbers i love how you just throw that out so non uh shalantly. like it's just no big deal oh it was just number one you know whatever <laughs> all in a day's work no go back to your uh scheduled uh programming like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> no i was because i was i just check i don't check on it every day i just kind of look and say oh let's see what it's doing and when it when it the page comes up, it will say like number one, you know, and new releases for queer books. And I was like, whoa. I was like, okay, well that's that's amazing. And I look at the numbers and it will be at this number, it'll be at, you know, fifteen one day, maybe at forty one day, then back to twenty the next day. So I I think it's doing pretty good and people are enjoying it and I've been getting good reviews from people. They'll let me know what they think and um I'm working on the Bible for it because it's been asked to, for me to do a little bit more work so somebody could look at it a little bit more closely as I'm talking very cryptic. But um, I'm just working on stuff with that, which I'm really excited about because I it's just funny that this is just kind of happening this way. Um, and then what else? Oh, income tax. I'm in, oh, Lord. It shows me what I'm getting back, which I'm excited about, but I don't even want to submit it because <laughs> I'm like, are you sure I'm getting this back? Because I feel like it was, as soon as I send a shot, I'm going to send up something to my, oh, yeah, something. So that is my thing right now. But uh, all the world, I'm just pretty good. You know, as I, you know, cons coming up. Um, oh, I have two panels at WonderCon, so I have to get that ready. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. That's that's gonna be around the corner in no time. Wow. So, so about Strange Lore, are you going to uh, release like a a paper uh, version, or is it strictly only going to be for a Kindle? All right. So, I want to do like after I have a lot of copies left after submitting everybody who ordered. Um, so everybody's getting their copy by February. That was the deadline. So mm-hmm. by this month, everybody should have their copy. Um, and that's including international, international stuff. <laughs> so I have to, I had to, I'm doing that last, but there are some left. So I have been asked 
to either sell it online, sell it to wherever anyone's online. I've been also asked to do them at the cons. So they will be paper copies. Um, I just have to plan on how it's doing. And I think um, the next step is actually to submit to a publisher. And then they will be the ones who will be in charge of the copies. Okay. Uh, and then hopefully that will go from there. Um, but I like the fact that, again, I'll be able to, like, as I go up to the companies to say, well, hey, it's doing this on Amazon and all that great stuff. So, you know, you should think about it. Um, but I, I will say that So I've been really thinking about redoing the book because people want, there's some things I want to add back into the book. Um, as someone said, this should be 300 pages long. I was like, well, what? <laughs> Like they don't really, I said they do make it like that, but I know that's kind of hard for print at times. Um, but I, I'm not complaining. I like that they wanted so much more. I was like, well, there's more coming. I just got to get the money together. Right. But, but at all, yeah, it's there are there will be copies, and I just have to get those out. All right, look at you. Go, go, gadget. Go, gadget. Go. <laughs> let's go ahead and get into this tea because there's been some interesting stuff within the past couple of weeks um let's talk let's talk about the two the two big you know heroes everybody is really into right now um wolverine and batman and we'll start with wolverine um wolverine so what happened recently is um there was talk about uh, this is the funny part so Basically, the producer of the X-Men movies, I think her name is Laura, Laura Schooner Donner, Donner Schooner, uh, was to talk about, you know, you know, Kevin's taking over, he's going to be doing this and that. And it was like, what a, they mentioned Wolverine about Hugh, and it was like, you know, and she's like, yeah, Hugh did a lot of work and all that great stuff, and I'm sure they're going to do what they need to do. She really didn't flat out say that they were going to, like, really focus on Wolverine, but a lot of publications took it to where they're going to get a new Wolverine. And I was like, they're getting a new everybody, but okay. <laughs> but it brought up a lot of questions about who will be Wolverine. And it, I thought about it for a few minutes. And I don't want Wolverine. I'm not really, I never liked the fact they pushed him to be, I know he's the money. I know, mm -hmm. I know they <laughs> the comics and he is very popular. But I also feel like we have kind of pushed him so much over the past, what, 20 years? Well, it feels like 20 years, but since X-Men been out and he had his own movie, he had three of his own, of his own movies, plus all the X-Men movies. Um, I kind of don't want any more focus on him. I feel like that we've done that already. If you bring him back, just put him in the group. Let's focus on other members because there's other members that have been selling points of the X-Men for years. So right. to me, if they bring him back, if they bring him back, he needs to be what he was supposed to be. Wolverine is like 5'3 or 5'2. He's really short. Um kind of brawny, what have you. And with their technology, I mean, hell, if we got a talking raccoon, we can have a, a, a five point, a five point, a five two, a five three. Wolverine. Um, I didn't really think about who will play him, but I do think it's interesting that, I don't know if you, anybody, I don't know if you knew this, but originally it wasn't really Hugh Jackman. Oh, really? It was Doug Ray Scott 
a Duggery Scott. You mean, you know who he is? That name sounds familiar. You remember um that movie? It was that Cinderella movie that had Drew Barrymore in it. Ever after was it ever after? Oh yeah, the I'm, I missed that one. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. He was the prince in that, and he was oh okay. He was the one they were going after to be Wolverine, and I saw it like when you, he was also in Mission Impossible Two. He was the villain. Okay. Yeah, he does look. I I I know the face now. And apparently he was supposed to be the person, but they put Hugh in it. And I appreciate Hugh. You know, Hugh had that look and it worked. I mean, when he was also super tall, I mean, he's really, really sexy and all that great stuff. But I feel like Marvel has a chance to actually do Wolverine right. And that's in, in the physical sense. Um, and again, or maybe not even have on the team at all. I'm fine with that as well. I don't know. What do you think about this whole Wolverine resurgence? <laughs> like, Hugh playing Wolverine was never an issue for me. Like, I don't, didn't, I didn't really mind that he was taller than what Wolverine is supposed to be. That didn't matter to me. Everything else uh, Hugh did was good. And I thought he gave the character so much. Um, and it's good that he's kind of stepping away. Um, now I read somewhere that he could come back like in another form, like a, like an older Wolverine or older Logan. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Kevin, uh, Feige might bring him back on. Now this, I just don't know if, personally i don't want to see him but i know from a financial standpoint and to get people more excited about the x-men coming to the mcu that they're going to bring him back and but i don't know who they should be bringing on as logan yeah because nobody's really standing out and maybe they should just go with the unknown yeah and i think that's I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, we—I think we mentioned it before. Chris Evans was known, but not known, and it seemed to work well with him. The same as in Chris Hemsworth, nobody knew him, really. You know, before he became Thor. I mean, he did like—I can't remember him before Thor. So it's like you know, that worked for him. They can find somebody. It's probably somebody that we've seen in the background of something, and they're like, "Oh, okay," uh, but that seems to have worked for those particular characters. So they can do that and add him in there. I mean, again, there's so much they will have to do with this X-Men film that's coming out. And, and, I, and, I, and I've been added about this, but I still stand strong about not having um, a Storm movie before the, the team movie. I think we need a team first. They're a team first. They're a team first. And then we can go into individual pieces because we need to see them as a team. I'm even, no, we do, I, I, I do, we do need a Professor X. I was going to say, I don't know if we need that, but I was like, no, we do. That's how we do. Yeah, we do need a Professor we X. Professor X. <laughs> but Wolverine, I, 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 I kind of want everybody to quit pushing that as the important part of the X-Men. And when I saw these articles, I was like, why are y'all pushing this so much? I mean, stop pushing 
who's going to be the new Wolverine? Like, who really cares? I'm like, who's going to be the new Storm? Who's going to be the new Jean Grey? Um, yeah, because, like, Famke Jensen did that. Yeah. I, I don't give the X-Men franchise a lot of credit, but what they did do right, it, well, the majority of their casting was done right. Mm-hmm. Like, with um, Professor X, mm-hmm. with Magneto, with Cyclops, mm-hmm. um, Mystique initially. Um, hell, with even Sabretooth, that wrestler. Yeah. The first one, the first Sabretooth, not uh, Lee Schreiber's Sabretooth. Like I thought that, no, I didn't like it at all. I kind of like hers, but then that was, it was kind of a sexy dark person, but. You like maniacs. I kind of do, which I need to do. <laughs> but I just think, <laughs> I think I write maniacs better than most, than most things I write. But anyway, I, I kind of enjoy, I enjoy, yeah, you're right. I enjoyed most of the cast. I just think there was not a lot to be done with them, as well as it could have been at the time. And who knows who they will pick. I don't want them super young. I kind of want them to be, you know, in their 20s, you know, at least or mid or somewhere. The same way they do with the Avengers, they can do the same with them. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But I, I kind of don't want to focus so much on Wolverine anymore. I, I feel like we've done that already. We, we went from him being young all the way to when he died. I think we've kind of done that. And I right. Kevin's going to know what's... I think he's smart. It's funny because Kevin was... I think he was her assistant, the producer's assistant for their first X-Men movie. So I think he... I think he's been around up to know, like, okay, we've done these things. And I think he will know, like, okay, this is a new direction we need to take this. Because, you know, people may have forgotten there has been... There was a Captain America movie before, the Captain America movie we know now. That was put out in, I think, the late... 80s, early 90s. There's been that. There was a couple of Hulk movies beforehand. There was, you know, then there was TV shows in the past. So I feel, you know, and there's been multiple Spider-Man. And I think, you know, we saw what Kevin did with Spider-Man. He went, he said, okay, I'm just going to get a whole new cast and story. Nobody from the Sony world came over, mm-hmm. basically. So I think that's what he's going to do. He's going to be like, this is going to be a whole new thing different casts and what have you. After, I think after the new movie drops, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I just... I um, Kevin is one of the few white men I trust. <laughs> <laughs> I, tr- I trust he's been right so far and I feel like he will know exactly what we need to see and do. So I'm going to trust him on that. Right. And then but then the next roll around is Batman. Oh, let's ben get Affleck. into it. Ben Affleck is not coming back. Which is a shame because I honestly enjoyed Ben's um, portrayal of Bruce Wayne in Batman. He wasn't Michael Keaton Batman, but he was better than Val Kilmer and uh, Michael Clooney. I mean, not Michael Clooney, George Clooney. Yeah. You know, I, I'll give Ben a look. Yeah, Ben was... I. I I felt it a little bit. Um, I felt it a little bit. I think that's always going to be. I will always like a, what's his name, Kristen Bell, Christian Bell. Really? I I didn't mind his. After I saw him in America Cycle, I was like, ain't no way on God's green earth. 
<laughs> so get your white ass out of here, boy. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It's, I feel like okay, they, I, that is kind of a, a loss. I know some people will disagree, but I think that now the 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 new movie is supposed to come out in two thousand twenty one. It's called The Batman, and um, which is interesting because I'm like, I, I don't know why we're still doing this. But now they're talking about who should be Batman. And I'm like, I don't want a Batman right now. Like, I feel like we can let him rest for 10 years. Right. Because we have Birds of Prey. And did you see that teaser for Birds of Prey? Yes, I did see that teaser. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm ready for it. Yes. Um, as far as Batman, I I understand that fans, well, most fans want him in there because he's popular and whatnot and yada, yada, yada. You know, the same with Wolverine. Yeah. We're going to get it regardless if we want it or not. The only issue is I don't want... I don't want them to do the same story that they do, you know, his parents died and then you have the fucking pearls and then you over there in the alley. And I'm like, we know how they fucking die. Like come up with something different, tell a different story because there's a lot, if you're going to do Batman, okay, fine. I'll deal with it. Don't tell the same origin story that you have been saying since 1989. Cause we get it. We got it. in Batman, the first Batman, we got it in some of the, hell, even some of the video games. So we know how his parents died and he came to be Batman. Mm-hmm. Just do something different. It's, it's like, come on now. There's too many stories of Batman and his crusade or whatever for you to go back to, oh, well... Mom and Pops got shot up in the alley and that's how he came to be Batman. Like, okay, we get it. Next. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of don't want another Batman movie. I really don't care who will be Batman, but let's jump back on Birds of Prey because that was, that got my attention a lot more because I was excited for those characters, especially that um, it's going to be interesting to see what's his name as Black Mask. Um, because he he's very good at playing good evil. His name is slipping my head right now, but he's very good at playing that role. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about that. And then you got that uh, the new Chris. There is a new Chris now, um, who is going to really he's going to play um, a villain in that as well. And so I am really 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 gonna be excited for this because i like the look i hope it's not too dark i want them to get out of that world but um besides that it looks like it's gonna be really fun uh because you have journey who's gonna be um black canary you got uh, what's her name Margot robbie she's gonna come back in her role and I like that the fact that, you know, even she's, her look is so much different than what it was in Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. It's just, 
it just fits more. She's not like, oh, let me show you all my goods. So it's going to be really neat to see her as Harley. Uh, I After that, you were uh, talking about uh, Ewan McGregor. Yes, Ewan McGregor is, I think he's going to do a good world black mask because he is a sadistic person in the comics. And Chris Messina, oh my goodness. Okay, so he, he used to want the blonde hair, which he normally doesn't have the blonde hair. But he made me think twice about a lot of things when I saw him. Like, I was like, wow, you're going to be a real bad person. Um, <laughs> but I do like that Cassandra, Cassandra Kane is in there. Um, and if you know who she is, uh, at one point, she was one of the bad girls. There's been several bad girls. So it's going to be nice to see um, her in this. I think it's going to be a pretty good movie because it's going to be done it's going to be directed by a woman it's going to be kathy ann who's going to be directing it the screenplay is by a woman so it's going to be something that we haven't seen it's going to be from a in a well let me rephrase that we've seen it but consistently in their in their franchise um it's going to be nice because I, again i just don't want it to be too dark but i do want it to be very good and it looks like it's going to be good just judging from what we've seen so far Right. Um, I, I think Black Mass is a very good villain and he's sadistic. Um, and I hope Ewan's portrayal of uh, Roman Sionis is good. I have, I forgot what I've seen him in, but I know I've seen him. You know, he's one of those faces. Yeah. He was in um, those movies. He was in, he was Obi Wan Kenobi. Young. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. But, I was, I'm interested to see how this female-led movie does, because you know, comic book boy, comic book boys are up in their feelings, because you know, there's females in there, and but I don't want them to be over-sexualized, because mm-hmm. you know, like back in Suicide Squad, there were shots of uh, Harley with her ass up in the air, and I was like, okay, that's just for you straight motherfuckers to get your rocks off. You know, very not needed. Um, but I did notice that there was somebody had pointed this out online that one of Harley's tattoos was something about Putin, and I'm guessing that referring to Joker, but it was scratched out. Yeah. So I don't know if it was alluding to the fact that Joker was dead, or they were no longer together, or something something had going on between their relationship. Yeah, because I know, according to the synopsis, she's left him, but she also have a, like a little necklace that had Bruce on it. And I see, I didn't catch that. So yeah, it's, I think there's a couple of pictures of her. She's like, it's a close-up where she's looking up at the camera and you can see her little necklace. I think it says Bruce, um, which is very interesting. But yeah, I think they, um, overall, you know, Batman has disappeared. <laughs> um, and so and the Joker is not going to be in this movie remember that he was supposed to be in this movie too apparently he's not in this movie either so I think they've been thinking and listening to people like keep him out and I think you know what's his name who did it kind of turned people off from the Joker because <laughs> I I think but you never know but uh, yeah that Joker was a mess that Freddie Mercury ass <laughs> oh, and he did all of this hoopla about him pulling these stunts behind uh on his uh cast members and then he was only in the movie for like five minutes i was like you did all that work for that 
he was trying to make a, trying to make a, I guess a thing. But as you know, for y'all who saw Birds of Prey, the that that there's pictures already out, a lot of it with Journey. So if y'all have been paying attention, there's a lot of pictures out there about that, and it's supposed to be the first in a trilogy of films. Um. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to hit with the, a little bit of Gotham City Sirens. So we'll probably see um, Poison Ivy. We'll probably see all types of folks from that. Now, the interesting thing is we don't need to see Joker because if you have read the comic, they really didn't deal with, they dealt with a lot of different things that were happening. Um, but they really pertain to Gotham per se or anything else. So it's really interesting that, you know, we'll, they really got them in Gotham, but a lot of their stories took them all over the world. So it, that would, I would like to see that. I would like to see them, you know, like some issues are happening outside of Gotham, you know, it, you know, something with trafficking or whatever, just something where it's like, it's dealing with something totally different than Gotham, take them into different things and really give them some adventures. So if you're going to make this birds of prey, a trilogy, let's just go all over the damn world. Right. You can only do so much in Gotham, damn. I mean, right? I mean, Gotham is just a mess in general. True. Very true. Um, so, staying in the DC universe, they announced this week that they're working on a spinoff of the Aquaman, Aquaman movie. Is it about Mara? No. Is it about Black Manta? No. It's about the trench. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I wanted to make a movie about the Marianas Trench, then I would go to National Geographic. I sat there and I said, this must be a joke. But it's not a joke. Uh, so if y'all saw the movie, Trench was kind of where, you know, I think it was the moment where all those fish things came out of nowhere. They were attacking everybody and they were on a boat or something like that. And they were dealing with all those things and they looked like they had sharp teeth. And... Basically, Gila monsters. Yeah. They were fighting creatures from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> and James Wan is, you know, he's he will produce it. Um, but, um, of course it's going to be lore. I mean, somebody was like, it's going to be lore cost of me. I was like, of course it is, because, okay. But I guess they're trying to go for the the Meg, you know, that, that movie about that killer fish thing, whatever it was. Right. But they're kind of trying to go into that thing and, and deal with the fact that, you know, a lot of these type of monsters, you know, all the dark monsters and all the savage monsters were sent after Atlantis sunk. And so they want to bring them all into play. And, I'm, and I get what that could be, because that could be any monster movie, to be honest with you. But I think they're trying to really play with the trench. I think this is a bad idea. This seems like a waste of time. Yes. This seems like an honest waste of time, because you could do so much more with other characters from the Aquaman universe. Mm-hmm that doing this I, I know they're trying to do like a horror theme to it i know the writers uh the screenwriters noah garden and aiden fitzgerald are doing the script yeah and they're supposed to be doing this horror theme to it i have just <sighs> it almost reminds me of how they're trying to do the new mutants mm-hmm. now 
that's a whole issue in itself. Yeah. Um, but it is this necessary? Nope. Is this really necessary? You have to ask yourself that when you're making foolishness. You're you're actually right because you, because like if you go to a spinoff, there's tons of things they can do. You can do one on the Amazons. You could do one on the Titans. You could actually put the Titans out there on the big screen. You can focus on Young Justice. If you want to do that, you want to make a live version of that. You can do something. Right. Um, you can, you know, I remember they talked about bringing in Supergirl. That was something they haven't really talked about lately, but that was a, something they did announce in the past. But you go ahead and bring her in. You can bring in Superboy. You can, <laughs> you go ahead and just do, I mean, you're already running down the whole entire Gotham world. So you can actually go and touch on some of the other worlds. And since Wonder Woman is your second highest film in this, in, in your universe, yes, you can focus on, hell, Wonder Girl. You can focus on the Amazons and they travels and all types of stuff. But the trench, and you know, and I, this is them trying to squeeze out every ounce of that buck. And I'm like, that's, uh-huh. that's how you crash and burn. And I think they should have, they should learn this by now that, you know, these little ideas just don't always banter up. And if they really want to do this trench, they can do something on that, on that um, DC universe or streaming service. They can do something on that, make that an animated movie or something, but I don't think anybody will go out and see this movie. Not as much as they saw Aquaman. And if he ain't in it, they ain't gonna go see it. Right. Why make a movie based on things from Aquaman but don't have Aquaman in it? Especially when Aquaman is just trying to get established in the cinematic realm. Yeah. He had a good run. That doesn't guarantee much after the fact. But let him get established first. Like, for example... It's funny, if you think about it, we all know the Winter Soldier. We know Bucky. They still haven't made a Bucky movie. You would think by now, like, okay, well, Bucky can have his own adventures. Because Cap is established, but they haven't done that yet. So I'm like, okay, part of me would be like, well, you know, that's a person who could carry his own movie. Mm -hmm. But we, but these fish, you know, these sea monkeys are not going to be able to do it. I don't know why. (laughs) Up here trying to make this work, but hey, we got we could be wrong. Who are we? So, you know, if y'all can go out here and, and see Medea movies, I guess you go see. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> if y'all go see these Fast and Furious. Why not? Why not? I remember there was a time when Fast and Furious was just about driving. Now these hoes out here, who knows what they know. In space, like okay. they'll be out, they will be, or in different dimensions, or in hell. Watch, you'll be fast and furious in hell. Right. <laughs> Stop. Fast and furious highway to hell. I know, because that might be real too. And then next thing you know. Oh, well, we want our cut. Good. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we said it first. <laughs> Lord have mercy. So yeah. So video game news. Have you play Kingdom Hearts 3 yet. Okay, now listen. I have never played any of the Kingdom Hearts uh, games. 
I know they came out. Oh my God. They came out when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. The first one. And I remember, I think I have one of this, the game, the original games that I saw the, uh, the initial, like the first look and people were so upset. They was like, this doesn't make no fucking sense. What's going on? Y'all have lost y'all's goddamn minds. And then the reviews started coming in. They was like, oh my God, this is the best game ever. This was this, yada, yada, yada. And so they started the trilogy. So Kingdom Hearts 3 is supposed to be the conclusion to said trilogy. And initially, Kingdom Hearts 3 was supposed to come out, well, concepts were coming out 2006. 2006, I had was in first year college. Yeah. Now, it was originally supposed to be released, I read 2013. So literally, people have been waiting years, decades for this damn game. And finally, it was released. And it's supposed to be really good. Um, I will hopefully get around to getting all of the Kingdom Hearts. I know they've all, they sold over 5 million copies and counting. And I definitely think that this is going to be a, a contender for a game of the year. Um, once we get to that season, the year ending wrap up of games. But the, play, the game play that I saw, I liked. I liked the kind of mashup between these Final Fantasy-esque characters and Disney. Because when I tell you folks was not here for it initially, mm-hmm. oh my God, I, you know how, you know how fandom can be. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, definitely try out Kingdom Hearts. I need to actually play it to have a very informed opinion about it. But I know some people were saying, oh, it's not really that good, even though I didn't play any of the other ones it's still not good i'm like then how can you understand the story if you haven't played any of the other ones yeah that's so fucking stupid <laughs> I'm like you idiots no no a lot of people are really excited about it i know some of the students have been talking about it a lot um, mm-hmm. some people have already been late to class when i've heard they <laughs> understand <laughs> all right uh, but I can't say anything because I used to, you know, schedule my classes for my soap operas. So, right. So, you know, what can you do? Um, what can you do with that? So, you know, I, I'm glad that people are really excited about it. I'm glad this is out. I know a lot of y'all were mad. Y'all been waiting for a decade. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but hey, it's out there now. So I hope everybody's enjoying it and having a good time with it. Um, uh, I think, I think, you know, when I finally one day get into games, I'll be able to really see, you know, what the deal is. And, but I wonder when they, since it's Disney, will they ever add some of the Marvel characters in it, though? That is a good question. Will they be picky about that? Because I'm sure, because, you know, they haven't really, have, I don't know if they really started the whole Marvel Universe when it comes to games. I mean, there's already Marvel Universe out there with games. I think they're going to, they're trying to do that um, with like the Spider-Man games. Mm-hmm. Um, I, actually, I need to look into that because I've heard rumors that they were, but rumors that they weren't. So 
Yeah, I have to do my research. Yeah, it'll be interesting to know. All right, and in rebooted news, we got Child's Play and Pet Cemetery. They are coming back, and they are very different. Very different than what the well, what the original movies were. I mean, Pet Cemetery is different from the book anyway, but um, very different. So, have you seen these these trailer teasers? At least, oh god. Yeah, I saw the Pet uh, Cemetery. So I never saw the original mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery movie back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay, this seems different. Um, it seems like it is typical white men shenanigans telling you not to do something, but you do it anyway, and now you're mad at the uh, outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh it seems like all of the those eighties like Pet Cemetery, Child's Play, it the getting this reboot, and it just seems like the eighties weren't that long ago. Yeah, I was like, we were just right, we were just there, but then when you actually look into it, I'm like, no, eighties was some time ago. Yeah, um, it looks interesting, but the trailer that I saw, it felt like. I already knew this movie. I already knew what was going on going to happen. So I'm like, well, well shit. Do I really need to see the movie if I saw the trailer? Yeah. And that's another issue. Sometimes a lot a majority of trailers tell too much of the movie. And they're like, oh well, since I saw the trailer, I don't need to see the movie because I know what's going on. Yeah. And I know they there was a switch or some kind of twist that they didn't do in the original movie that they did in the uh, the reboot. Like, mm-hmm. am I? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh, now in the original movie, uh, well, the book, it is the it's the baby. So the little five, I think it's like a little baby. It's like about two. With the cage is three, um, and the little baby boy was hit by the truck and brought back. This time it's the daughter. Now, if, if you ever get a chance, I, I, I want you to see the original movie because it is a lot. In a good way, it's a lot because one, the little girl goes through so much emotional turmoil in this movie. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Was acting. But there was a, there was, there's a good scene where the mother, her name is Rachel, talks about her past. And her sister... It's a creepy little thing. So if you saw it in the in the tra- in the trailer, the new one, you saw this thing crawling towards her. Um, yeah, this was sister, and so you have to kind of look into that to see what that's about. It's it's a very popular part of the movie. Um, so yeah, they have changed a lot. They said that's the switch, but it seems they're going to really get into more about that the cemetery. And you're right, it is funny that it's like it's where you that he was told multiple times not to go there and he still don't get your white ass over there but you know um but i think the movie this is going to go more into what the area really is that whole space um of what of going into the pet cemetery and the fact that it is i think um you know some i think it's native american burial grounds but then there's Uh it has something to do with 
it's connected to the Tommy Knocker. I don't know. I can't remember. I was going to go back and look at my whole Stephen King lore because Stephen King's stuff is kind of connected, kind of. Because a lot of it has to do in Maine or around Derry or close to Derry. I know they will mention different things from different books. So it's, I have to go back and look at the lore of all that. But yeah, it's going to be, I think, maybe better than the original. So I'm going to check that one out. I'm going to say this full disclosure Pet Cemetery. I thought it was like the pets coming back to life and then killing everybody. <laughs> so y'all got to give me a moment to catch up <laughs> to what this is actually about, but I'm interested in it. I know, uh, I think it'll be released April 5th. So I know a lot of people love, uh, love their horror movies. That's true. And then we got, child's play which is also very different okay so the original scared me the first two then it got stupid for me um somebody is going to have to explain and somebody said this online that this grown-ass kid wants this full full full-ass doll why isn't he not playing fortnite and wanting some money to play Fortnite or buy stuff from Fortnite. That is kind of weird. I don't know what kind of uh, timeline they're in or specific zone or whatever, but if it's modern, why is this kid playing with this doll? You remember those bar- those big old Barbie dolls? Yeah. Like the full-length, full-size Barbie dolls? Yeah. That's what I thought. I, that's what I think Chucky is going to be. But... It's, it looks scary. It looks definitely scary. And uh, Brian Tyree Henry, I think he he really needs to get his accolades because he is doing his acting. I think he he's at a level where people who have been doing this for a, lot, a long time just got to. You know, I think he needs to be in more he needs to get his recognition more and he needs to get his flowers. Yeah. What did you think about the, uh, the trailer? Um, I, I kind of like the twist because they, they, they're moving in what they're moving away from the whole food. <laughs> Cause you know, the original was, it was like a voodoo ritual that got him transferred <laughs> to the doll, um, which, Hey, that was the eighties and these things can happen. So, it seems like it's going to be one of those, you know, malfunction of machine type of thing happening. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Um, the kid, the kid is funny because the kid was already in a horror movie. He was in um, Lights Out. So I'm like, Lord, he's he's building his horror career already. Um, but yeah, he, he was in Lights Out, so he's going to be in this one. I... It wasn't a lot in this teaser, so I was actually fine with it. You know, if I, I like right. I don't know what to expect. This could be fun. We still haven't seen Chucky's full face. Uh, right. But you're right. The first two, for, I'll say the first three, because it, it followed the boy. Because I think the boy was like a teenager in the third one. Because uh, I think Chucky wanted to be the boy at that point. I was like, well, that makes sense. The rest of them, when he had the princess, or whatever her name was, that I was like, I'm done. We don't need to do it. <laughs> With uh, Jennifer Tilly uh, voicing yeah. the doll? 
Which is funny because she just said that she is not a fan of it. I'm like, well, ma'am, you let's remember you just you came in at there's people who can say the same about your your time in these movies. So I'm just like, mm, you just unless you were um, I forgot her name, the original actress from the first movie. Uh, oh, and what's his name is dead. Chris Sarandon is he's he's dead. Well, unless you're the young boy himself, like I I think you can't say what, how you feel about the movies because you can't. But um. Uh, I, I think those versions were trash because I didn't watch those. But because um, I was like, let me just see what this is about. But I, I think this new turn can be fun. But I don't want them to start this again because this is not the first time we went through this. Because remember, way back in the early 2000s, we had this, surgeon, this resurgence of and then Friday 13th and then Nightmare on M Street. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of Halloweens done by Rob Zombie. So I'm like, Let's not go back to the past. And if you do go back to the past with horror, you are pulling movies that we have not seen that we can't go back to unless we really dig on YouTube or, you know, Google to the max to find these movies. Because there's a lot of horror movies we can redo um, that we don't really know about. But I just don't want us to keep touching on the ones that were pretty good. So I'm looking forward for these these two movies, but I just don't want that to be a trend. Because I have right. a feeling if they work really well, we're going to get another I Know What You Did Last Summer, uh, a new version of that, or we'll get a new version of Urban Legend. <laughs> right. <laughs> or do Scream all over again. Yeah, because they, and they tried that with the TV show that was on MTV that could have been burned to ashes. So, um, I don't know. I just wasn't the uh, the uh, I know what you did last summer, and then it was like I still know. Yeah. And then wasn't there a third like I will always know? Yeah, and that was the worst. <laughs> that movie because it was basically talking about the concept of the movie. Like it was stupid. It was stupid. Whoever did that was dumb. The same people who did they didn't no. It wasn't the same people, but that came out. And it was on the Creep Show three that came out. They were they were the dumbest sequels ever made on earth so no unless you do if you pull a hollowing three maybe if you pull a hollowing three or you pull a friday 13 five maybe because they kind of went sideways um towards the franchise like in hollowing three it wasn't even about michael myers it was something else um friday 13 five it wasn't even jason it was someone acting as jason so if you play something like that, okay, I can probably be there with you. But no. <laughs> no. Yeah. research. It's just trying to be creative. You can be creative. That's what's really hurting my feelings. As a person who is who writes um horror stuff and know people who write horror stuff you know i think about we just had jeffrey riddick on our show he comes up with original concepts all the time you know he has a movie called the final wish that is out which i just watched which was which was cute but he's also come with other original type of things there are original stories you can still tell some people may not be able to do that well but there's still original stories to tell so y'all can do that we don't have to go back and pull from our childhood type of stuff right so i don't know 
<sighs> yeah, I know uh, Child's Play is supposed to be released June 21st. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I might check it out if, you know, if I got time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking of horror, uh, I just want to touch a point on um, horror noir. So if you don't know what that is, that is a documentary, um, basically Blacks and Horror. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I got to see it. I got to see the premiere here in Los Angeles, um, which was really great to be there in person uh, mm-hmm. because we, you know, I got to see Tony Todd in person. I saw Rachel True in person. Um, shout out to Ashley Graveyard Sisters for the work she did to make this happen. My God. Congrats to her because you know if y'all have not been following her on Twitter, she always give you the facts and the truth and everything when it comes to blacks and horror. Um, but this documentary was really great. If you have Shutter, please watch it. I think you can get a free trial. So if y'all want to just get the free trial and watch it, <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. But it's really good because it talks about so many things, and uh, and it touches on the fact that, you know, we love horror, but does horror love us back? And that's a lot that's said in the movie and it, or in documentary. And it made me think, does horror love us back? Because a lot of these movies are produced and written by white people. Mm-hmm. When you look at, like, you know, besides James Wan, besides um, Jeffrey Reddick, and maybe other few people of color, um, <laughs> There's not a lot who are currently doing hard. When you see like the group pictures and like I've, I've been to a couple of horror premieres since I've been here in Los Angeles. And when I see it, it's very white. Those particular people who are involved in the movies are very white. Um, and it's a little disappointing. It's very disappointing because I think of, and no shade to Bloomhouse, they're doing a lot of great work. But I think, but what really got y'all seen or really got y'all really talked about, I mean, besides Insidious and The Conjuring, is the fact that when Jordan Peele got Get Out, not only out there, but was making money and nominated for Oscar and won an Oscar for Best Screenplay, it it made me realize, like, okay, y'all need to start making sure y'all have some Blacks in your companies. Mm-hmm. Because we are coming out here with ideas, y'all relying on some of the same people y'all been relying on for years, and you know, like I think about the guy who who created Saul. He's a good writer, you know, and he still does stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, well, can y'all give somebody else time to shine and to rise like this? I just wish there was more blacks behind the scenes when it comes to producing, directing and writing horror because right. it just doesn't feel like we're out there enough. And I know we have a lot to, to put on the table. I don't like the fact that I, I personally feel that, you know, Jeffrey has really paid his dues to do horror, but you don't get to see it as big as some of these other folks who get these opportunities to make some, Trash. Horror movies. Like, I think of, I'm, I'm just going to be ugly. There is a movie called The Gallows that was released. <laughs> um, widely released, and it was trash. And I'm sort of going, that's where a lot of horror movies have been released 
major films released, they get all the things. And I feel like some of the people of color who have really made hard don't get that type of, you know, that type of output from the companies. And I think we should do that. I think of the fact that there's been sequels to Insidious that have been garbage. And I feel like that there should be, I just missed up my chances probably by saying it like that. <laughs> but I don't care. I, I, I did not like certain ones and I'm sure I'm not alone, but I feel like there's a lot of, again, people of color who can probably, who could have probably put a spin on these movies that would have been spectacular. We still have not seen a folklore horror movie that is based off of black folklore. We still have not seen, and there's been pieces, but not a lot. We still have not seen just a good cast of black people as the leads when it comes to horror. So I just feel like that we have a long way to go, but this documentary really shows where we've been and where we can go. Um, and I wanted more. When after I watched it, it's about a, it's almost two hours. It feels like it's almost two hours. I wanted more, and it made me realize how much that we contribute to the genre. But I also feel like that it needs to we need to be in it a whole lot more. You know, you think of Demon Knight. Demon Knight was was a, directed by a black man, um, and Jada Pickett was the the heroine in the movie. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, had it been some white woman or a white man, we would have probably had a trilogy of these movies about that particular character. And I always thought that we could have got more movies with Jada, you know, going around the world, stopping these demons, you know, because think about it. We would have had, if it was Hugh Jackman or somebody, we would have been on our seventh movie by now. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> or, you know, thinking about um, the Evil Dead. Ash got a TV series. Got a TV series. Ash versus the Evil Dead. So I'm like, yep. there's just so much. And, and granted, it's a it's a very diverse cast. I'm not gonna I'm I'm not clowning. I actually watched it and I enjoyed it. I'm not gonna clown on that because we had Jill Marie Jones. She was in it. Um, Tony from Girlfriends. She was. Oh in yeah, it. she was in that. Yeah. Um, then we had uh, I think um, one of his leads was Latino, uh, Latinx male, and then I know that um, his ex girlfriend in the show ash's ex-girlfriend was a woman of color she was uh, i think she was partly white, partly black so i feel like that there's there was a lot in that great multi-racial cast but it would be nice if we could have something like that based on us so i'm gonna that's why i write stuff like this because i'm like everything i write the cast is always black or multiracial. And it's always a multi, it's always a person of color in the lead. I cannot mm-hmm. have a white person lead when I'm like, why? They've been in the lead all these years since Bella Lugosi. So I'm just like, <laughs> I don't want that anymore. So I want a black woman. I want a black man. I want a queer black person. They, we have drama too. So can we be in horror? Hell, we live in horror. So can we? Have, uh, okay. Can we have that? And that's why. Oh, okay. That's my rant. I didn't mean to rant like that. I just realized that we just there's so much we can put into these movies that we don't have to be the cop. We don't have to be the babysitter. We could be the lead, and I want us to be the lead. But also, we don't have to be the help. Ain't that right, Whoopi? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I want us to be. I want us to create it. 
I want Jeffrey to always get his, his, and I'm not saying it because he's my friend. I'm saying it because he deserves his roses. And I feel like there's people who have not done as much as he has getting way too much than he deserves. And again, I'm not, I'm just saying it because I feel like there's a lot that can be done. And again, shout out to Ashley uh, from Graveyard Sisters. He deserves, and y'all need to give Rachel True more opportunities too. Oh, let's talk about that because she was saying that, oh, she was shut out of all these, the craft um, get-togethers and all this shit. Like, it's so fucking ridiculous. You all praised them when the movie was released, but now all of a sudden, oh, we're only just going to talk to the three white girls. Like, fuck y'all. And yeah, and and it wasn't, and it, it wasn't, and to let people know, it wasn't the fault of the of the three white women in the movie because they act because it was actually for um, Faruza who said something, who was like, mm-hmm. wait, why y'all not why? Because Rachel was mentioning, that, you know, they still did, they still talk and all that good stuff. She was like, um, why why did I put my consist in this? So that is a mess that y'all will leave her out because there are four women in this, and Rachel is the reason why many. Black people went to see the movie. Yep. Um, and her role was very important because she talks about racism in it. I mean, this, that girl said she didn't like Negroids, if y'all remember the movie. And I <laughs> wanted her to fall out, too. <laughs> so, I wanted her to kill her so bad in that movie. Oh, my God. I wanted her to just drown her in that damn pool. She was, Yeah, because she was just so evil and so racist. Um, and then she had the nerve to say when they were at the party, she's like, um, how are you doing? I'm like, you know, that is so white woman of you to do that, but I digress. I know. I was like, how are going to show up and going to say something now? Because you, you should have been nice. Now you bald, now you a bald hair scallywag. <laughs> Shit, now you wearing hair, hair plugs. I know. Look at a mess. Going to try to apologize. <laughs> slapped her, which the first time she said Negroids should have ran up her and back slapped her. I mean, not oh. violence. We're just saying that that could have got anywhere else, would have got somebody beat up. It's a spin. A shot. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> <went wrong laughs> That's what I'm saying. Something would have went wrong. People that I know would have been in the in the principal's office that day. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. There would have been blood on that dance floor, honey. It would have been too much. So, yes, um, that was really disheartening to hear about Rachel. But they have corrected that. And so now all four of them will be together. And that's a good thing, too, because, again, that was a movie that that kind of defined the 90s um, in a sense when it came to, like, that type of, you know, genre of witchcraft and horror. And apparently with the, as we, they're still working on the craft movie, the next one, it's supposedly a sequel. And the young woman who played Sarah um, said she's, I think she's going to be in it. Um, oh, she cool. Said they, she said they're still going to work on it. And I was like, oh, of course. She was, she is the, the natural born witch. She was the one who had to put Nancy in her place. But I want Nancy to come back, though. I do, too. I want Nancy to come back. Because for Roosevelt, you know, one day, we're going to have to talk about Roosevelt. Because that, somebody should have been nominated for something because she gave you white girl 
on the edge. Because <laughs> that was some acting right there. Because I was like, is this real? Because I'm sort of like, you look at it today, you like the scene where she confronted that boy, mm-hmm. told him that he doesn't even exist to her. That right there. That should have got an Oscar nomination. <laughs> nominated for a goddamn Oscar. Because I'm like, she read him, kicked him out the window. But still, it was the point of she was like, let me tell you something. It was basically, let me tell you something. But yeah, Frusabog, queen. We need to always stand for that. But um, Lord, see, I got all passionate about this movie. Now I have to watch it again. Um, <laughs> But yeah, if y'all get a chance, please see Har Narar. Narar, I can never say that word, but please see it. It is a great addition to Black History Month. It made me feel good to watch that with all the foolishness we have going on. Um, But speaking of that, I guess we should end on it. We should end on a sad note that is, doesn't seem to be getting better. Uh, So, we talked about it. Yeah, we talked about his sister, so we talked about him. Uh, while she's riding high, journeys riding high on black, uh, being Black Canary, um, Jesse was attacked. Jesse Sola was attacked in Texas, I believe. Um, I think it was Chicago. Chicago, that's right. It was Chicago. What was it in Texas? <laughs> Chicago, it was Chicago. Um, attacked by two men. Um, he reported that it was by two white men who, who was screaming MAGA. And, you know, they knew that he was from Empire. They put a noose around his neck. Uh, just all types of... Pour bleach on him. Yeah, pour bleach on him. Um, bit him. That was the thing I just saw recently. Bit him and apparently crack on his ribs. Um, so there was a lot of outpouring of support for him throughout this entire ordeal. And then he ended up performing here. He was... We were going to go... Um, that Saturday night, um, but I think it was, somebody said it was already packed and sold out and it was already raining and I didn't want to sit out the right out, to be honest. So it was, <laughs> but we did see the crowd because we drove by the Tubador and we drove by it and I was like, wow. And Nick, the, uh, another Nick was like, we should go. I was like, we should, but we don't have tickets. It's already, we're already 30 minutes out and there's a line out here already. Um, so it seems like, you know, he's getting back on his feet and he's like, he's going to be black, blacker and gayer. He's been, you know, talking to people. However, it's been interesting to see the responses because there's been a lot of people questioning. They were quite, at first they were questioning if it really happened. And we saw that from Erica Badu. We saw that from um, Tariq Nasheed. We saw a lot of people, especially a lot of black men, questioning him which was very interesting that they was questioning him however if it was someone else if it was somebody straight and black it wouldn't have been a big deal but they right. were in the situation um and it was a little disheartening to see um uh, go ahead yeah, more than disheartening because it's always this whole thing when something happens to queer black people that we have to disassociate their sexuality with their blackness yeah like uh steve harvey said oh this ain't about sexuality but they call him a fucking faggot yeah so 
why isn't it about his sexuality? It's always these niggas that always have something to say that, oh, you can't be black and gay or black and a lesbian or bisexual or what have you. You have to choose your blackness over your sexuality. Well, no. I'm black and I'm gay at the same time. And either you could take it or you could just go sit down somewhere. Because you, you're not going to tell me that I can't be both. True. And I'm, ti- I'm so fucking tired of these niggas trying to gatekeep folks. Trying to tell them that your blackness is somehow it's not, it's invalidated because your sexuality is this. Like, with the most majority of y'all, if it wasn't for the Black Lives Matter, which happened to be created by lesbian, Black lesbians, y'all wouldn't have mattered. So because of them, we're marching for, they're marching for everybody. Yeah. And it's always like that whole mantra of, uh, oh, I'm rooting for everybody Black. You know what? I can't root for everybody Black because everybody Black doesn't root for me. And now um, Chicago police are saying, oh, if Jesse's uh, story doesn't pan out, they're going to prosecute him and bring up charges and whatnot. And it's like, you're already victim blaming. And it's the same thing that we saw when the Me Too movement was going full blast. You know, they're saying, oh, well, why were you walking alone? Or what kind of clothes that you have on or you know it's it is so fucking tiring it is and and it was it is disappointing because first i hate that argument about the fact that we need to choose i think i got into it with Tariq nasheed about that he was like so i guess he told me i guess i i see my queerness more than my blackness i said i see them both uh and you know i i I was really done with that $4 nigga, but it was just the fact that I just could not deal with the fact that that is how they view it. They, that's, that's how they think we should look at our sexuality and our entire being. These pieces make us who we are. We cannot separate the two. And I feel like that, yes, there are times where it's going to be, this is what happened where it's, it's focused on my blackness first. And there were things that will happen that will focus on my queerness first first and that's and there's things that we have to deal with and i think that to ask us to do that to separate the two is ridiculous and i also hate the fact that we are constantly seeing every time when it comes to us when it comes to us as being black and queer that it's all it's you know we're taking it too much we're, we're being too serious we're being too we can't take a joke it's always like that but if let that happen a different way mm-hmm. uh, then you know it's all out of attack and we gotta march and we gotta do all this but when it comes to us no you know black queers black women we you know it's just all this whatever <laughs> and you know hell we been out here supporting everything i mean i think of the million men march hell we were that was all about supporting black men it makes me wonder what if would y'all would that happen today and would y'all allow you know us to be a part of that or would that be a big issue for us to be a part of so that's always something that makes, in the back of my mind, it makes me really think about how people really think about us. 
the fact that they're questioning him, questioning everything about him. Now, I hope, I hope, I'll be honest, I hope we're not wrong when it comes to the situation because I know there were some issues about them, you know, so I think they subpoena him to get his phone. Um, and who knows what will pan out. But it's hard for me to trust the cops because we know how the cops do. We know what they do. We know they can play with evidence. You know, every time a black man is F in a situation like this, is always, well, he wasn't a saint. Or, you know, he stole... He smoked marijuana. Smoked marijuana. He stole a comic book in 2001. You know, it's right. something like that. So we know how that stuff goes. It's hard for me to trust uh, a police department when it comes to things like that because, you know, they always... They don't like to look like Boo Boo the Fool, even though they are. So I, you know, I'm hoping this all pans out, you know, but I hate the fact that people were questioning this to the point they were questioning, you know, that it even happened. And then it also really kind of showed me that when it comes to us, you know, I don't think it, we matter when it comes to black queer people. I think there's always going to be that, that, resistance to us mm-hmm. and i'm like it's already hard enough being black and queer because um, we can't always go to our own people and we sure can't go to the whites because <laughs> they're not always going to be welcoming to us um so we kind of own our own and i hate that because sometimes that makes us a little bit more overly tough you know what i mean like we're we can't trust anybody <laughs> we're ready to fight you know we always have you know i think of the vixen you're ready to fight because mm-hmm. you always had to. And it's hard for you to let your guard down. And I don't like that for us. I hate that for us. I hate that we can't always enjoy life because we have to look around the corner every goddamn minute. So mm-hmm. I, as I think about us, I think about this month and I think about what's going on, I want us as queer black people to not completely dwell on on the negative things that's happened to us but we have to remember that there are good times too our people have come way too far for us to always retreat back to the bad times we have been through many struggles and we know how to rise above the top we should be able to enjoy ourselves and celebrate ourselves Uh, i've seen on twitter no shade to some people i've seen people talk about like it's like it's always hard, like kind of downtrodden about being black and gay. And I'm like, okay, it is rough, but let's have some fun. Let's enjoy life because we can only go up from here. You know what I mean? Like we can't just stay down all the time and it's tough, but we got to enjoy life. We got to enjoy the things that we can enjoy. I'm very fortunate. I was able to have straight hair and have long nails at one point and just do a lot of things that was traditionally not, a black man, but I'm glad I was able to do all these things. And for those of you who can do that and you wear your, you know, get polish on your nails and you wear Fenty and all that stuff, do it, enjoy, embrace it, be free and be yourselves. Enjoy this time, be yourself and don't let things completely bring you down. And that's what I really want our, our family to do is to, yeah, we can be upset. We can be mad. It could be sad. But just remember that we are powerful people and we, 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 we deserve a lot more and we should always enjoy and celebrate the good things in our lives.
I mean, what better way to end the segment? <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead, clean up this all this tea, get that mop together, and let's go take a break. All right, and so we are back. Hope you're enjoying this episode of Megasheen. And we have a very special guest here. He is Mr. International Male Leather 2018, Mr. James Lee here with us. Hello, hello. How is everyone doing? We are doing pretty good. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and get into this interview here. So if you don't know, International Male Leather is a competition. It's held, uh, when is it, every March? Every, it's in, it is in Labor Day weekend. Labor Day, okay. It's May. Or is that Memorial Day? Memorial Day. <laughs> Memorial Day weekend. I want to say Labor Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend in Chicago. Um, the Congress Hotel is the host hotel. And thousands and thousands of kinksters and leather men and women um, embark on the Chicago, downtown Chicago. Mm-hmm. Now, I, this is a, like a big event. This is, like you said, it's international and people from all over the world come. And mm-hmm. so, so inter- yeah. So it's International Mr. Leather. Um, it has been around for 40 years, and I just so happen to be the 40th winner of um, International Mr. Leather. It was um, brought to you by Mr. Chuck Rinslow, late Chuck Rinslow. I passed um, the year before last. And I'm the first IML to hold the title um, since his passing. Awesome. So talk to us about winning uh, uh, in 2018. So what is it like a, I guess I'm used to drag pageants. Is it similar to that? Or how is it different from other pageants, I guess, in the LGBTQ community? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is leather. Um, you see that <laughs> aspect of it. Um, it is basically like uh, Miss America. That's what most people um, can relay it to. But um, it's a lot more than that. We do a lot of community service. We are um, like pillars of the leather community. We are the, I guess you would say, the figurehead. Um, our way of life and living is leather and kink. So we try to bridge the gap between all sides of the communities to, um, I don't know, make us stronger, bigger, and better. The contest itself has a um, pecs and personality portion, which is basically like the um, swimsuit wear portion or physique portion of a um, competition. And the evening gown wear, if you would say, to, to drag pageants or Miss America is our formal wear, which is, it looks like we are either police officers, but it's in like complete full leather. I mean, from head to toe. Um, And it is pretty much your choice of the look that you want to have, just like any other contest. Um, We have uh, an interview portion 
which for us took two days because there were 70, uh, 71 contestants from 26 different countries. Wow. So that was insane. Um, we have an on-stage question and answer, which shows our personality and, and if we can think on the spot. So it's pretty similar to other contests. It's just a different agenda. Right. Now, during the, uh, I guess you would say the top five, or at any moment of during the competition, did you go into the mindset that, you know, hey, there's a really good chance that I can win this, or was this just completely surprising to you once you got in the top five and then was actually announced? It was pretty much a shock to me, um, even being at IML at all. Um, I barely had found out what IML was um, the year before I went to International Mr. Leather. And it, it was absolutely um, stunning to watch the competition and watch um, such amazing men um, get on the stage and just bear their hearts to their community. It was amazing. And so being a part of that, it was terrifying, but absolutely rewarding at the same time. I got a, a new family, bigger family. And um, being on the stage with that many men, it, it's very intimidating, especially when you know you get to learn, uh, get to know them and learn their lifestyles and learn what they've been through in life and get to know them much better. They become your brothers. Mm -hmm. um, a big part of it, too, is making top 20. A lot of people go to IML, you know, and they don't make top 20 um, every year there is a large group of men that have to walk off that stage when the curtain drops in front of them. Um, and it's really hard for the people who do make the top 20 because you have really become, you know, tight knit and really close to, to your brothers and it's heartbreaking. But at the same time, you do have a, a different reward and that is making the top 20. You, once you are done feeling hurt, you you're, it's exuberant. Like your, your entire mind is in a different headspace. You're excited to be a part of the top 20, but at the same time, you know, that, you know, it doesn't get any easier from that point on out. It gets harder, but if you have the experience that I had, which was the brotherhood, I felt comfortable knowing that, you know, my brothers were there for me and they were going to be there for me, whether I made the top 20 or not. Right. After, after you make the top 20, then you, it's a whole nother competition. It's like you're in a whole nother competition all over again. You start from the beginning and you keep your interview score and you give a speech, uh, on stage speech, which literally you, you have um, a minute and 30 seconds to tell everyone one not why you should win, but to tell them your thoughts, to tell them about your journey, to tell them, you know, what we need to be doing or what our eyes should be open to in the community. And then you get a top three, basically. You get a second runner-up, first runner-up, and then your new international Mr. Leather. And those moments are precious because you don't go to International Mr. Letter thinking that you're going to win. You go there for the experience. Mm -hmm. Some go for the win, but if you go for the win, you have a big disappointment that may happen. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, mm -hmm. so 
your win was actually really historic. Um, yourself, uh, along with your SAS par- partner, uh, Lucky Rebel, are representatives mm-hmm. of Onyx. Uh, could you explain what exactly Onyx is? Onyx is, uh, how would you say it? It's like we have the big community at large, and there's not many um, people of color that um, go directly into the community easily. So Onyx is there as uh, a bridging gap to um, kind of like a safe space to learn and empower um, individuals of the POC to feel more comfortable going into the leather community or community at large. Now, my, I myself did not go through Onyx to go into the leather community at large. I was very confident in the people that were around me and I went into the leather community pretty much um, with just friends and family. I was like, yeah, well, these are my friends and I'm having a good time. I'm loving it. I'm learning something new. And now this is my life. I've always been a kinkster, but leather is not only being a kinkster or just into leather. You decide what that means to you. And a lot of people have different meanings for what it means to be leather. And for me, it, it means that I have my chosen family. I love the leather that I wear on my body. I love the kinks that I am into. And I love the people that I surround myself with. That's beautiful. I mean, and what what more can you ask for, you know? Amen. So throughout your, your reign as Mr. Uh, IML, what are some of your most significant accomplishments? Wow. I would guess I'd say um, changing the status quo. Um, everyone thinks that leather men and women, when they when you see them, they're hardcore bikers or um, they have this standoffish attitude, but um, I'm that happy-go-lucky guy. I will give a hug whenever someone reaches out their arms. Um, I think right now is a time where we all should be reaching out and giving hugs and being there for one another because it's trying times, and if we're not there for each other, who's going to be there for us, right? Exactly. So you got your start down in the leather community here uh, in 2012 here in Lexington, Kentucky. 2015. Mm-hmm. 2015. Okay. Uh, so mm-hmm. what was your initial feelings on the outside looking in? Um, on the outside looking in, actually, um, I have never really seen the leather community until I moved to uh, Kentucky. Um, when I finally got my first peek at it, I was intrigued. I was moved because I had never seen people living their radical sexualities in public. And it was, it was, I don't know. It woke up that little side of you that says, you know what, this is exactly where you belong. These are your people. And that's pretty much my first, um, glance into the community. That was my first impression. Mm-hmm. And you won, uh, what was it, Mr. Crossings, was it mm-hmm. 2015 or 2016? 2017. Uh, 2017 was my first leather title that I ran for, which was um, Crossings Lexington Leather. Mm-hmm. And um, 
running for that title meant a lot to me because I spent a lot of time in crossing Lexington's bar and I met so many people and I made family there and those people were there for me when I needed them the most. And when I ran for that title, I ran for it because I wanted to um, give back to the community and I wanted to grow that bar into a stronger leather bar, which I'm still on that, you know, that's still my goal. Um, even though I'm traveling so much, I'm still um, planning on making more leather events at Crossings Lexington's Bar so that Lexington's leather is more apparent in, in the community at large so that others can um, see that there is a place for their kinks and fetishes and to live out their um, leather lives. Exactly. Yeah, I feel out of the bars here in Lexington that Crossings is more inclusive, uh, mm-hmm. even though I do enjoy the other bars, of uh, the you know, the bar mm-hmm. complex and sound bar. I just feel mm-hmm. more, I don't know, safer at Crossings. Right. I agree. Um, I really do. I love going to bar complex and I love going to sound bar, but Crossings is my first love. It's my it's my first home bar, and it'll always be my home bar. Um, when I walked into Crossings for the first time in 2011, it was uh, I I felt like you know people were really friendly. They cared, and it wasn't uh, who are you. It was a hey. How are you? Where did you come from? Let's let's have drink. You want let's make friends. Uh-huh. You have a new family now. You're in Kentucky. You're a part of us now. You're Kentuckian now, and I only had been here a few months. <laughs> so it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I think that the the Imperial Court. That's why their home bar is Crossings because it just makes everybody feel welcome. They made me feel welcome as well. Um, when, especially when I won Mr. Crossings Lexington, um, the Imperial Court of Kentucky reached out and they did a lot of um, helping with fundraising. And especially when I became Mr. Kentucky Leather, the Imperial Court has been a really big part of my success um, in Lexington, Kentucky at large. I mean, it's, they have reached out their arms and, and helped me in ways that I never really thought the Imperial Court would step through for me. And um, and vice versa, the imperial court calls on me, and I'm like, "Yep, what do you need me to do?" Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good um, relationship, I would say, a good family, because um, a lot of people think that we, the leather community, and the gay community at large, is sectioned or divided. Um, the thing about it is, we're not really divided. It's the people that that are thinking that we're divided they're the ones who have that issue with you know opening up and being a part of more than just what they're interested in um when you walk into crossing the bar in lexington you don't just see leather men and women you see every walk of life period you see straight people in there you see gay people in there you see sisters of uh, perpetual indulgence the imperial court um, bears, you see it all, and I think that's why um, Crossings Lexington is a you know a gold mine for Lexington. It's it's home to so many. Yes, it very much is. So you I mentioned uh, earlier uh, how inclusive 
the uh, IML competition was. Can you expand more about the uh, inclusivity of the leather community? So in the leather community, if you are, I've been traveling a lot. So I've been, you know, to France, I've been to Spain, I've been to Germany, and I can see from the European standpoint and from the American standpoint where the leather communities have grown. Here in America, it's it's prominent in our communities that we have our women, we have our transgenders, and we have, you know, our bears. Everything is a part of our community here in the uh, leather world. And so that's what I mean by when I say it is very inclusive and it's very diverse. Um, not, not to say that when it first started, it wasn't very exclusive. Um, the leather community started off as an underground type um, group and a community. But over the last, mm, I would say, 15, 20 years, it's really opened up to um, a lot of different groups that now call the leather community, you know, their family and their children family. Um, the AIDS pandemic really um, put a, I guess, it awakened and opened up the community a little bit more because women um, really stood by their um, their gay men that were going through, you know, the AIDS pandemic, which were hit the hardest. And if, if it weren't for women, we, we'd be down a really rough road. So I'm so glad that there's women a part of our leather community now. Yeah, I know I've seen just for the, the past few years that I've been in the, I guess the gay scene, that a lot of, of women have been included in the, the leather community. So I feel mm -hmm. that's very necessary to move this inclusivity agenda that we all want. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people um, will throw up a red flag if you say, oh, you know, I want to just have all men at this function or all women at this function. But the thing is, is that those safe spaces for people to learn are very necessary as well. I mean, women need their own time and space to do what they want to do as women and men need that same space to do what they want to do as men. And yes, we do have shared space, which is absolutely amazing as well. But there should not be a an eye turned sideways or a, a shoulder rub just because people want to have different aspects of the community. So I think the inclusivity and the diversity of it all is usually, I guess, respected when everyone understands that we do have our differences as well as our likeness. Right. So within the LGBTQ community, do you or have you been affected by uh, other fellow people who stereotype or stigmatize the, the leather community? Oh, yeah. Um, I've had a few people say, you know, I'm not coming to that event because you don't wear, or you leather people don't wear deodorant, or I'm not coming to that event because, you know, I'm not into this kink or that fetish. I'm like, you know, if that's what you think of the community, you're missing out on a whole new 
and not even new, but you're missing out on a whole nother part of the community that you may just perfectly fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I oh, yeah. feel I feel that as I get older, I get more uh, open-minded about different kinks or d- things that I would in the past say, oh, that's not me. And then, mm-hmm. you know, getting older, you're like, well, maybe I should at least learn about it. Mm-hmm. So then I can form an opinion. But I feel a lot of people, um, a lot of gay people stigmatize the leather community as the exactly what you said. That's like, oh, y'all don't wear deodorant. Oh, y'all nasty. This, that, and the third. And it's just like, mm-hmm. please don't do that, especially mm-hmm. now. Yeah, this is a time and place where we all need to be banding together. Trust me, there's there's a lot of different kinks and fetishes, but I mean, my leather always smells good. And <laughs> when I walk into a bar, somebody when I walk by somebody, they they don't want to sniff me because it it just smells good. I mean, leather is like yes, you get into a new car, it has nothing on the the smell of of a man walking by you in leather. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Like, ha, Yes, yes. So we talked about the stereotypes uh, that the other people may have against the the leather community. How is the racism in the leather community? Um, I haven't really ran across racism in the leather community, even though that um, in any community there is racism. It it is very um, hidden in some and very apparent in others. But um, in the leather community as a whole, as I see it, and what I've been exposed to even before I had a title, um, it's very, very, very um, open, very honest. Um, And I don't really see, like, the racism like I have seen in other communities, like straight up front. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's bound to be there. I'm not going to tell you that it's not in our community. I mean, it's in everyone's community. There's no running away from it. Um, as people get um, educated and as they get more, I guess, experience in life, those things kind of wear out. But there is still so many people in the world who have been mind or brainwashed to be racist. And it's because that's a part of their family and that's what they're used to. Yeah. So much of racism is just learned behavior. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's learned behavior um, more than anything else because um, if you leave two children of two different races that have not had the chance to learn what race is, if you let them grow up together, let's say until they're they're 18, 19, 20, and they never get touched by the outside world, they'll become best friends because they don't understand that they're different, that Mm -hmm. different. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. So it's definitely learned behavior. It's passed along through our generations and it's up to us now to make sure that that doesn't get keep getting passed along there's something that should have worn out way long time ago and they're still apparent in our 
in our cultures and in our children nowadays. And it's the reason why I, even though I'm a Leatherman, I put everything that I do on Facebook to be open because I want the, the, the parents of the children that I coach to see what I do. I want them to ask me questions. I want to be able to teach them, you know, that it's not all about the sex. It's not all about the kink. It's about community. It's about family. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah, you are a uh, high school gymnastics teacher. Is it high school? I'm a private, um, I'm open contract um, cheerleading coach. Um, I also do power tumbling and hip hop. So, and choreography for all three. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember, didn't we do, we do, uh, oh God, we did a talent. We did Uma's, Uma Jules talent. Mm-hmm. Um, when was Uma it? Jules. Last year or year before last? Uh-huh. That was, was cute. Yeah, we had a blast. <laughs> I think she should have won, but you know. I was already biased. What had happened was. <laughs> right. Anyway, I got one final question for you. Okay. So as your reign comes to an end, what is the single most thing you want your legacy to be known for? Wow. I want it to be known. I want to be known for being that one person that anybody could talk to. I want to, I want to be that guy that everybody says, you know what, he fit in everywhere he went. Even even if the people that were just like him didn't fit in, James figured out a way to do it. And he opened up doors for so many of us. That's the legacy I want to leave behind. I want to show people that they can be their authentic selves and be accepted. And even if they're not accepted, you don't have to be. Being yourself should be exceptional enough. Why should we chase diversity and inclusion when it should be chasing us that's what i want to leave behind all right y'all heard it here first so james <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming to this uh this interview if you would can you tell everybody uh where they can find you on this uh crazy thing called the internet yes 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 if you go to i am mel i am 2018 at imrl.com you can find my profile and on facebook as well at iml 2018 if you look up international mr leather um, you can find pretty much all the information you would like to know about the contest about the community um if you look on to iml.com I'm sorry, IML at IMRL.com. That is the page for um, IML itself, International Mr. Leather. So, and look me up, say hello, send me messages. I answer them all. Yeah, he's <laughs> and very I hope sweet. I see you on the flip side. <laughs> he is a very <laughs> sweet guy. Um, and with that said, let's go ahead and take a break and we will be right back. All right, and we're back with Megashane. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Mr. International Male Leather, James Lee of 2018. Uh, if you are in the area, I think uh, IML is going to be in Chicago Memorial Day weekend. So if you're interested in seeing the competition, go up there. Uh, I don't know if tickets are on sale or whatnot, but you can use Google and find out. Um, let's see. 
before we wrap up, Victor, do you have anything else to tell our lovely listeners? Um, no, um, just, you know, thank you for responding to our Black Heroes post on Twitter. That's been fun to do. Um, if there's somebody you want us to mention and talk about, let us know. We'll put that up. All right. And with that said, you can always find us on Twitter. The podcast is at Megasheen Pod. I'm at Porter Pizzazz. Victor's at Wonderman5. You can like, rate, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Go ahead and hit us with the five stars because four or less don't count. Uh, we are on Facebook at Megasheen Pod, Instagram at Megasheen Pod. Go to our website at megasheenpod.com. Um, what else? I think that is it. Mm-hmm. So, with that said, y'all stay out of trouble, mind your business, uh, get your sleep. Um, and yeah, Baby. finish off a Black History Month strong. Let's <laughs> just yeah. make it. Let's just make it. All right, let's just make it without no foolishness. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.